This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Clap, 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 clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands Podcast. Hosted by Elliot Shreparks and Jack Fritz. I know someone who probably likes it. Elliot Shreparks joins us right now on the Midday Show. Elliot, how we doing? Man, I'm, I'm dancing on these for that right now. You got like, it. That's a, that's a banger right there, of course. That's, absolutely. Nah, I would not consider that a banger. No, it's not a banger. It's not a banger. But, 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 but it is a great song. It Probably is. not enough to be a banger, but, it, but it is a great song. It, it certainly fits in. At least he knew he oversold it just a little that's bit. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. That's what we do on WIP. We oversell sometimes. Better oversell exactly. than undersell. Elliot. Hopefully, uh, this injury for Joel Embiid, it was oversold last night. Hopefully, it's not as bad as it may have looked or we think. But let me ask you this, Elliot. As we, uh, we're a week and a day from the NBA trade deadline. Do you think that the Joel injury situation should change the way the Sixers approach the deadline? And obviously, meaning by that, not going all in because of the fear that he's going to miss a lot of time here. No, absolutely not. I think if, any, if it changes anything, I think it puts more pressure on them to go out and do something. Because... But for two reasons. One, when Joel is healthy, they're 26-8. and eight. They are arguably the best team in the NBA when he is healthy. The Celtics are right there with him. The Bucks have played good. Uh, but they're arguably the best team. And so I think that you have to look at reinforcing this roster because when this roster is healthy, they're the best. But, but let's say that he's not healthy. This is your chance to go get a guy, like to go get a Deontay Murray, to go get a LeBron James, somebody that can carry this team or at least have a better chance to carry this team than the players you would be trading out. So, no, I don't think last night changes anything. And if it does, I think it just reinforces more pressure that this trade deadline is a massive one because you have to make the move now as opposed to this offseason. Speaking of pressure, what do you make of the rumor that there was pressure for Joel to play last night because he felt pressure for not playing in Denver? Yeah, so I'll start by saying I was happy Joel played last night. Like, I like to see Joel. The team had lost three straight games. They didn't have Maxi. They were missing other key guys. Like, I like that Joel wanted to go out there and play. I thought it was, like, an admirable thing, admirable thing to do, and I thought it was a good leadership thing to do. But if he did it because he felt pressure from the outside, like, I don't like that motive. I don't think Joel should be listening to what people say on the outside. Now, the reason I was disappointed he didn't play in Denver is because 
it was portrayed like it was a 50-50 thing. And then he, he just, you know, the team decided to be cautious. I thought that was a game where it was worth pushing through because of the stage. And I think last night, like, was also one that was worth going out there and trying. I think the mistake that they made was keeping him in. Like, it was very clear after the first eight minutes that, that he was not himself. So I hope he didn't play because of outside noise. I think that would be the wrong reason to make a decision. But the real mistake that was made was keeping him in. Elliot, who do you blame more for when this happens? And it's happened many times over his career where he's kind of half in, half out, 50-50, and then he's the one that says he's going to give it a go. I mean, we know there's doctors there that will look him over, but I think a lot of this is they're going off of what he's telling them, right? If he says, I feel fine, they're not in his body. They're going to say, all right. And if he says, I, I'm in bad shape here, obviously they're not going to push him. It, it's weird because we don't know why he plays when he does or doesn't when he doesn't. It, uh, we just see whether he's on the court or not. Do you have more frustration with him when this happens, or is it the team for not saying, hey, Joel, you need to just sit tonight? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting question because I don't even know if blame is the right word. Like, I, I can't fault the guy for wanting to play. Like, the whole thing with Joel's career has been he's hurt, he doesn't play, you know, he's not there in big moments. So I, that's why, again, I thought last night, like, was an admirable decision. I thought it was the correct decision for Joel to make. So, you know, should there be someone sitting there and going, look, like, you can't play. And I think we saw that it was very obvious when that game started that, that he shouldn't have been out there. So for last night, if I had to say who I thought dropped the ball more, I think it was on the Sixers. And I think they dropped the ball in Denver, too. Like, they, they helped create the perception that he was close to playing, right? I mean, before the game, he wasn't on the injury report. He warmed up. He traveled to Denver, obviously. And so the perception was he was going to play. And I think that's on the team. And then last night, you look at it again. I think a good decision by Joel to go out there. But they needed to be, you know, for, better, for lack of a better term, like the adult in the room and say, hey, man, like we like that you want to play, but, but you're, you're out. Like you're not playing anymore. So I think last night was more on the six. We're talking to Elliot Shore Parks here, Sixers, Joel waiting for MRI results. And then obviously there's a big offseason going on right now with the Eagles. Elliot, what do, you, what do you make of the Belichick stuff that keeps coming out? Yesterday, Greg Bedard up in Boston on 98.5 said the Eagles poked around on Belichick. He believes and he's heard if Sirianni maybe wasn't amenable to the changes that Belichick could be here. Obviously, they made their decision. But it does seem like from a lot of different reports, Florio, Greg Bedard, they poked around the Belichick. What do you make of how this whole played out and what we're hearing? Yeah, I think the Eagles dodged a bullet. Like, if they actually had interest in Belichick and it didn't work out, I think it's one of the best things that's happened to this franchise since they didn't hire Josh McDaniels. Like, I think Belichick would have been an absolute disaster here. And if the reason that they, they, you know, in some ways picked Sirianni over Belichick is because Sirianni was willing to work with them on the staff, then that's even more of a reason why, why I think it's good that Belichick's not here. Belichick coming to this team would have been a disaster. He doesn't work well with people. You saw that in New England. He's not a good head coach if he doesn't have Tom Brady. And he can't fix what the main problem with this team is, which is that Jalen Hurts took a step back last year. So if they had interest, like, I think that would have been a mistake. But my main takeaway when I heard that was, man, like, great thing for this team that it didn't work out because they're in way better situation when they clear on as their head coach than they would have been with Bill Belichick. So I'm on the opposite side. I think they made a mistake here not going with Belichick. But they're going Why? with, with – because he's a better coach than Sirianni. How's he a better coach? Elliot. His, Tell his, me. His entire career in the NFL. With Tom Brady. No, with not, not Tom just Brady. with Tom Brady. He got the Browns to the playoffs in the 90s. He took Matt Castle to an 11-win season. They scored 420 points. With Matt Castle. He's yeah, a bad – no, Ellie, hold on. The Eagles, he's a, won, he, the Eagles won 11 games last year and made the playoffs last year. So your feeling of what 
Belichick accomplished without Brady is the floor of why you fear, feel Sirianni can't do the so job. The, but there's more to it. What I believe is Bill has lost it as an executive. He can't, he, he can't do it. I mean, he's, he's just a coach now. And here, he'd have players. He doesn't have players in New England, albeit it's his fault he doesn't have players. But I don't think he's lost it as a coach. I think he doesn't have the players. didn't have the players. I mean, Elliot, Andy's last three years here are the same as, as Bill's last three years in New England. Doesn't mean you forget to coach. You just have a bad few years. Well, so a couple things. One, Andy was, I believe, 55 when he left the Eagles. Belichick is 72. I don't know many 72-year-olds that have had success that are super open to changing the way they do things. So you're right. Like, part of his downfall is personnel. But if you think Belichick would have came here and worked with Howie Roseman, then I think you're being delusional as to how this would have worked out. Like, if you read the coverage of how it fell apart in New England, it's because he didn't listen to anybody. He wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't work with Kraft anymore. He was only hiring his own guys. So I agree that, look, if Belichick wanted to come in and be a defensive coordinator, yeah, maybe I'd have some interest in that, although I really wouldn't want him in the building. But if he wanted to do that, like, I might be open to it. But as someone that's running the team and is going to have say on things, no, I don't think he's proven at all that he's the guy for the job unless you're bringing prime Tom Brady with him. Well, that's not happening because that those days no, are over. A Kiss the baby. All right, so Elliot, what do you think about how this played out? So I think we discussed last week the Fangio thing, but now it's complete, right? The whole thing is complete because Kellen Moore is on offense. What what's your updated take on the coaching staff, specifically the Kellen Moore hire? Yeah, so I think Kellen Moore. There probably, and you, maybe you would know the answer to this off the top of your head, but I don't think there's probably another offensive coordinator in the league that has called plays for what will be now a, a sixth straight season without being a head coach. Mm. Like there can't be many guys that are, have, have as many, as many reps at doing this in a row as Kellen Moore does. So I do think that from a pure experience standpoint, this is an upgrade. Like I, I think that Brian Johnson got a bit of a, a bad rap here. Like I think he was a better, a better coach than he was given credit for, but I think his inexperience hurt the team last year. I think Kellen Moore is going to come in, and while he's not as experienced as Vic Fangio, I think he brings experience. Like, he's done it a bunch of years in a row. He's called plays for multiple uh, quarterbacks. He's worked with multiple head coaches, multiple franchises. So I think he just has a lot of experience that Brian Johnson didn't have. I don't think that uh, he's going to come and bring some, like, crazy new offense where we're seeing all types of new plays. And Like, I think he'll bring different things. But I don't think he's an exciting hire from, like, a Chip Kelly perspective. Like, when Chip came, it was, what are we going to see? I think you know what you're going to see with Kellen Moore. But I think his experience and, you know, the production he's had is, is a positive. So I think it's a good hire. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Elliot, I think you're right. I just scrolled quickly through you know, the NFL play calls from this year. I think you're right on that. And you know, uh, Excluding head coaches, I don't right. think anyone... Yeah, has has coach has called plays for this long, uh, you know, again consistently. That, that's a, that's a really interesting point on Kellen Moore. All right, Ellie, let's talk well, about the, the other part of that really quick. Is if you look at Ben Johnson and Bobby Slowick sticking around, a big concern of high, of this like structure is if you lose your play caller, 
like maybe they're not going to lose Kellen Moore. Like he, he hasn't been a head coach yet. And if you look, a lot of coordinators are sticking around. So I think there's a good chance if he does good, Kellen Moore will be here in 2025. Yeah, continuity. I mean, that's always a good thing, especially for a guy like Hertz, who, you know, we've heard that that's when he's at his best. All right, Elliot, let's let's look a big picture look at the offseason. I, I think there's there's probably one of two ways they could go here, right? They could try to run most of it back not take big cap hits, try to fix the holes and try to really compete next year. And that means, you know, maybe keeping guys like Slay and or Bradbury, or they could take a sledgehammer to it. And how he's done that before when they've kind of felt like they're in some trouble here. Elliot, what do you think they should do? What do you think is more likely? So I, I think you probably have to take a sledgehammer to the linebacker and, and safety position. Like you, you need all new bodies there. Like Reed Blankenship can come back and compete for a job and I'm fine with him starting. But you need another safety opposite uh, Blankenship. Sidney Brown, I think, has potential, but he's coming off a major knee injury. You can't count on him being a starter. At linebacker, you know, if you want to bring Zach Cunningham back, sure. If you want to give Nicobe a chance in camp, like, whatever. But I think you have to go out and get impact players there. I'm not of the mind of moving on from Slay and Bradbury. And the Bradbury thing, I'll preface by saying, if they cut him, they lose $10 million in cap space. I don't think it's a situation where Bradbury – where you can't have him in the building. Like, mm. I'm, I'm ha- like, he can come in, he can compete for a job. I think he brings a somewhat high floor as a backup just because of all the experience he has. And I don't think he'll be a detriment if Eli Ricks or Kelly Ringo is starting over him. So I'm not willing to take a cap hit like that and lose that cap space to get him out of the building. So I would bring both back. But with Bradbury, the expectation is, like, you got to compete for your job. Mm. You think Bradbury could play safety? Sometimes, no. sometimes corners do do it. Rod Woodson did it late in his uh, career. Troy did it. Troy Vincent did it Troy late in his career. It. Yeah, when he, I think he went to Buffalo, he yeah. played safety. I just, I don't know if Bradbury has like the agility mm-hmm. and the, the to 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 do Definitely that. Does and not I, have the hips to do it because he got <laughs> right. <laughs> and I also don't think he has the speed. Like you, I don't certainly couldn't play single high safety. Right. And he's not a good tackler, so I don't really think you want him as your last line of defense. So I, I think his role at this point is you got to hope the coordinator gets better play out of him or he's like a great backup to have in case someone gets hurt. Yeah, it'll be interesting how they play it. I mean, they probably can move on from one of these guys to take cap hit, but, you know, once you start doing two or three, it really affects the cap. Elliot, always appreciate hopping on, and we'll be listening when you're on on WIP. And, of course, Clap Your Hands podcast. I'm sure you guys will be reacting to the uh, the Embiid injury whenever we get the news. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, subscribe all your podcasts. There we go. Elliot.